Luke 15 and verse number 1 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. What a way to start a chapter. Not only are there tax collectors. See, I like that it also differentiates between the tax collectors and the sinners. So they were both there. We try to lump them all together, but, but, but Luke's writing here and he says, you look, there were tax collectors and there were sinners. They were both there. So they're apparently in two different classes. But then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. Apparently they are also in a different category. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Verse 5, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. For the next few moments, for the next little bit here, I'm going to... Talk to us. Tonight will be the first part, and and next week will be part two. There might be a part three, depending on how far we get next week. But I'm going to title tonight's Bible study, Oikos, part one, Pass the Salt. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Pass the Salt. And do not be worried, those of you that are worried about your blood pressure and all of those other things, this salt is actually good for you. So you can actually use this stuff. I remember a time whenever they told my dad he needed to get healthy and all of the salt and everything out, and we got that Mrs. Dash and all those other things, and I think they may even have a Papa Dash now, but it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same as the real thing. Tonight we're going to talk about passing the salt. Oikos is a dwelling by implication. It's a family. It's a home, a household, a temple. Oikos is used over 100 times in the New Testament. We just read it in our scripture about Oikos. And Joseph, we find it in, I'll just have a couple of examples here. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house, the oikos and lineage of David. Matthew 6 and 7, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine oikos. And he arose and departed to his oikos. We see it in many different ways. Luke 19 and 9 says again, Jesus said unto them, This day is salvation come to this house, to this oikos, to this household, to this family, for so much as he is also a son of Abraham. Acts 11, 13 and 14, And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all of your household will be saved. In those two scriptures, we have two different uses of the word oikos. We have the actual building. He said, I saw a man standing in the four walls of my home, but then he told me that if I will hear the words of Peter, I will hear how that salvation can come to my household, to my oikos, to my personal family members. My house, my household. I read this statistic while studying for this group of lessons. It says approximately 80% of churches in the United States have either plateaued or they are in a complete decline. I continued to read the article and I was bothered even more when I found out that this article was written pre-pandemic. It was written in 2018. The numbers are even higher now. 
This is the latest research that I can find. It's a 2021 study of LifeWay research based on data from three dozen denominations. It found that 4,500 churches closed in 2019 and only 3,000 were started. In 2021, Faith Communities Today studied found that the median worship attendance for churches in the U.S. dropped from 137 to 65. It over, it, it over, over 50 percent in those years happened. They lost all of those things. So why would I tell you this? To make us excited? <laughs> I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago that I told us about the new building that I believe God is going to give us. The, the new building that I believe that God is going to allow us to be a part of. And for those of you that haven't seen the picture yet, I'm going to let you see it because I still believe it's from God. We have a picture. It's the next one. We did. There it is. There's the building. It's got a beautiful sanctuary. You walk in, it has a place that you can have your coffee and meet with your guests. It has Sunday school rooms. It has multiple bathrooms. And the things that my, ne the, my nephews, their children, you know, they're young. You know the first thing they saw? It's got a basketball court. It has something for everyone, from the young to the even more mature. It has something for everyone. So why would I tell you, thank you, Kim, why would I tell you something about churches are in decline? It's because I want us to understand that the power of the oikos, the power of your home, it matters, and you must understand that you are the only thing standing between your, your family being saved and your family being lost I know a few Sundays ago I got excited and, and that, that picture is still the wallpaper on my computer and, and I, I showed people and, and people were excited and, and I want us to understand I still believe that that is what God has a plan for us even if it's not that building God still has a plan for us I just feel we have to have a vision of what God really wants to give to us in the future and what we can be a part of but we will never become a part of it if we allow our circle of influence to go away. Your oikos is your primary base of relationships in the relational sphere of influence. For example, you could say it's your family, it's your neighbors, it's your friends, it's your co-workers. It's more than just the four walls of your home. It's more than just the four walls of this building. It's your sphere of influence. It's those that you have contact with on a regular basis. It's those that you are able to speak into their life. It's also those that speak into your life. Who has influence on your life? My question for us tonight and for me as well is how big is your sphere of influence? You say, oh, but I don't have a... Oh, yes, you do. Let me stop you before you even get started. From the person, from the very first person that sees Brother Gary when he's at the door with Sister Sharon, the smile that's on their face, they've already created an atmosphere so that they can have an influence on their life. You meet them at the door and they've got a smile. They're the face of Bethel. They are the face of what we're talking about. The smile that's on their, on their face, suddenly it creates an influence on their life that says, you're welcome here. We want you here. When they walk in here and we begin to praise and we begin to worship... There's something about it. Your influence when you're around them. You're creating an atmosphere that says anything that you need is possible in this house. You have a sphere of influence. Mamas and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you have a sphere of influence. I'll take it even further. Since since Cameron's here, I, I've got two nephews. I've already brought them up, and and Cameron was here, and they had gotten one of them got baptized, and and Cameron was up here trying to get them to play on the drums. They haven't stopped talking about playing the drums. And then and then Corbin, he was he was letting me know. I think I'm just going to play the bass. 
I don't know, maybe Amon, you've been talking to him about playing the bass, but, but, but Corbin and Slade, they're, they're basically, they've got it all planned out and they know what's going to happen and, and you've got an influence on them and all it took from you was just saying, hey, why don't you come up and look at, all it takes is one person saying one thing that will be an influence in their life. So don't try to tell me you don't have a sphere of influence. If you're willing to speak positive, if you're willing to show love, if you're willing to let someone know, you care about them. At the heart of our lesson is Luke 15 and 2. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. What a testimony. If there was ever something to be said about Bethel, I would love for people to say this. Bethel receives sinners and eats with them. I would love for there to be uh, uh, just everywhere. If there was a headline in the local paper that, that just read that Bethel receives sinners. If you're a sinner and you need some place that's going to love you, go to Bethel. What a testimony for everyone that was looking around thinking they had everything together. They look at Jesus and they say, Bethel receives sinners. I know maybe I've got some people worried. I, I don't want to worry you, but I haven't forgotten 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Nope. Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. We want Him to receive us. That word, receive us, it actually means I will welcome you in. I will admit you into my presence. If we want Him to welcome us, we better be separate. I agree 100%. I I have no question. I'm not trying to change anything. I'm not trying to lower standards. I'm not trying to do anything. But if we're going to quote that scripture, why don't we go ahead and read all of them in the context of it? 14 of 2 Corinthians 6 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Hallelujah. And what communion hath light with dark? We ought to be shouting if that's what we believe. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them? And be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. What partnership, what close relationship does light have with darkness? None whatsoever. We are to come out from among them. We are not to be the same. I do not want someone to walk in here and look at me and say that you are the same as you used to be. I want them to see that there is a, there is a complete difference from the life that I used to have. I want them to say there is something different about you. You're not the same man that I knew. You're not the same one that I grew up with. No, I've come out from amongst them and I've become separate, says the Lord. I want Him to accept me, but I want us to understand there's more to it than that. We can come out from among them, but it doesn't mean we stop loving them. We're to remove ourselves from their sphere of influence, but we're also supposed to invite them into our sphere of influence. Oh, you, I'm, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this house right now. We have got to get to the place that we are not worried about what everybody else is going to say. But we've got to be able to reach out to the broken, to those that don't look like us, to those that don't act like us or talk like us or sound like us. And we've got to say, I've got something to offer you that's better. I've got another way to offer you that's better. I've got something to give you that's better. I've got something that will help you. I've got something that will carry you. I've got something that will bring you out If you need hope I've got the one that can offer it to you Why do you think uh, Who do you think was having all of the influence In Luke 15 and 2 Do you really think it was the sinners Or Jesus 
Why do you think the sinners wanted to be with Jesus and not with the publicans and the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the scribes? Because the Pharisees and scribes, oh, they looked apart. They would stand out on the corner and they would wail because they had been fasting so long. I heard one study on Pharisees and scribes say that they would actually take and they would paint their face so that it would look sunken in so that they could be even more just holy in their own eyes. But yet the sinners did not want to be with them. The sinners wanted to be with Jesus. I need somebody to understand me tonight. I need somebody to get a hold of what I'm saying. The world has enough make-believe. The world has enough putting on a show. What they're looking for is something that's going to answer the problems in their life. They need someone that's going to say, I know a God that's able to repair your marriage. I know a God that's able to save your soul. I know a God that's able to heal your body. I know a God that's able to give you direction. I know a God that's able to set you free. We need somebody that's willing to say, I've come out from among them, but let me introduce you to a man called Jesus. Let me introduce you to the one that brought me into his sphere of influence. Let me introduce you to him. Oh, this was not a one-time occurrence. Matthew 9, verses 9 through 11, And Jesus passed forth from them thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt sitting at the receipt of custom and he saith unto him follow me and he arose and followed him and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples they weren't even invited they just showed up have you noticed anything that's been going on around here on Sunday mornings people have been showing up that we don't know where they're coming from People have been showing up and, and, and they've been making phone calls and I don't know how or where they got my phone number, but they've been showing up. I want to let you know what's going on. The presence of God is in the house. The presence of God is in this house and they're looking for something that's going to be different. They're looking for something that's going to help them. It's not about the invite. It's about who they're with when they get there. I want to create an atmosphere. That's why praise is so important. That's why Monday night prayer is so important. We're creating an atmosphere that's drawing people and so whenever we do make the announcement I want you to come with me there's going to be something on the inside that says I've been waiting on the moment for you to ask I've been longing for someone to introduce me to Jesus oh but when the Pharisees saw it they see there's that they they said unto his disciples why eateth your master with publicans and sinners Yes, we come out from among them. Yes, we leave their sphere of influence. But we should have an atmosphere around us that draws them from where they are and says, I want to be where you are. There should be something about us. We've come out from among them and we're separate. We've got hope. We've got peace. We've come out and we look different. We act different. We're not the same person we were. We don't have all of the anger. We don't have all of the strife. We don't have all of the condemnation. We feel peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And they're looking at us saying, I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. We need to understand. I want my oikos to get a little bit bigger. I want my oikos to go beyond these walls. I want it to go beyond my home. I want it to be in the middle of Walmart. I want it to be at the gas station. Wherever I am, I want someone to feel the sphere of influence. Don't tell me that it can't happen because it can happen. I've told you the story of Brother Gary in Kansas City, he's in the middle of Taco Bell. I tell, I'll tell the story as many times as I can because I just love the story. He's in the middle of Taco Bell waiting to, to, to take his, for them to take his order. Someone beside him begins to talk to him. And he, before they leave, has his hands on this person's head. They're speaking in tongues as God gives them the gift of the Holy Ghost right in the middle of a Taco Bell. Don't tell me that your sphere of influence can't grow. Don't tell me that it can't happen. It can happen in the middle of a store. It can happen in the middle of a hall. 
in the middle of the hallway of a hospital, wherever you're walking, somebody hear me. Grow that sphere of influence. Say, let my oikos grow. I'm not satisfied. I want to feel it in my neighborhood, on my job, no matter where I am. I want them to know. You have family members and friends and co-workers. Maybe I should have started with this question. How many of us have friends? I've already asked, don't raise your hands, please. I closed my eyes real quick because I remember. The last time that I asked that question, and for those of you that are, are newer here tonight, or those of you that are watching online, when I asked that question the first time, Nobody raised their hands. Some of those people, husband and wife, they didn't raise their hands. And so I thought to myself, oh, Holy Ghost, keep moving on. But we all have friends. If you feel you don't, I'm your friend, so feel better. We all have friends But I want us to understand there's a huge difference in coming out of their sphere and inviting them into yours. Because what you are doing when you do that is you are simply walking into the newness of life. And you're looking back and you're saying to them, I have an answer that you didn't have while I was with you. It's not out of, you're not looking down upon them. In fact, you're looking at a place to where you can bring them to where you are. There's so much joy where you are. There's so much compassion that's reaching out. Because suddenly, all of the sins that you felt, all of the weight that you felt, it's not there anymore. And you want them to know. See, the scripture says, the Pharisees used... The word to receive oneself. They, 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 they use the word receive. That word means to await, to expect, to welcome warmly. In its original context, it said to welcome warmly into your house. When is the last time you have welcomed warmly someone that does not look like you into your sphere? into your oikos. When is the last time that you have said, I'm going to accept you into my house? It's not the lifestyle. It's not the sin we're accepting. It's the soul that we're accepting. And we're saying, I have got help for you. I'm standing here and I am awaiting. I am expecting them to be at the house. I am ready and willing to give them and receive them warmly. I am looking at people that are broken and I'm looking at them differently than I have ever looked at them before. There used to be a time when I would look at things that are going on in this world and I would be so, so just almost angry. I would be so just, I would just feel like there's no way that God can be in anything that's going on. But as of late, as the time is getting closer to when we hear him say, well done, I want to hear him say it. But every day and every second that gets closer, I begin to look at the people a little differently and I begin to say oh I can make a difference in their life they don't have to be lost they don't have to die they don't have to hear him say depart from me no I want to let them know there's hope and now to the title of our message you are the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing than to be thrown out and trampled under by, underfoot by men. Never let it be said that Bethel has lost its savor. Never let it be said that we're not in the soul-changing business. Never let it be said that the thing we were called to do, we're no longer doing anymore. Let it, never let it be said that someone else is reaching harder than we're reaching that is caring more than we care we've got to understand we're the salt of the earth and if we're not doing our job I want to be good for something 
Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Not just the one that has the candle, not just the one who, but everybody that's in the house. That's what I'm trying to get somebody to understand. Everybody that's in the house, if you're willing to light the light, if you're willing to let it shine among men, no matter where you are, everyone that's in your oikos, everyone that's even close, is going to see the light of Almighty God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. Salt was so important and valuable that Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt at times. Ever heard the expression, he's not worth his salt? That's where that comes from. And now you know. Salt on its own is used for clearing roads. Did you know that? I didn't until I read this. I did know this one. It's used for preserving food. It enhances the taste of, this is not my word, but I liked it so much whenever I was reading it. It said it enhances the taste of everything it's added to. In ancient times, salt was a symbol of lasting concord. The New Testament Greek lexicon defines it because it protected food from going bad. Putrefication. I got it out. It preserved it unchanged. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, you are the original preserver of this world. Not only do you preserve this world, but you also clear away the things and make a path so that the Word of God can come forth. If you are the salt of this earth and you are there, let me make it very clear to you tonight that no matter who is around you, you're the salt of the earth. The salt is not changed. Whatever the salt touches does the changing. I want someone to understand you don't have to worry about whether or not the world is around you. The world needs to worry about the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you. Because when you walk in a room, you ought to change the atmosphere. When you walk on your job, you ought to bring hope and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're the salt of the earth. Whenever I walk in the store, I'm bringing in peace. I'm bringing in hope. I'm bringing in the original preserver. You're the salt of the earth. So would you do me a favor and pass the salt? Don't hold it to yourself. Pass the salt. Invite someone into your sphere. When's the last time that you've just invited someone in? We used to keep them at an arm's length because, oh, this is my holy area. <laughs> I'm not going to look at anyone. I'm just having too much fun at the moment. But this is my holy area. This is my Jesus safe zone. Don't come near me. I'm in my moment of prayer with the Master. Come on, give me a break. It's when you're in that moment of prayer with the Master that you ought to open up the door and say, Come on in and let me introduce you to the man that I'm talking to. You're never too holy. My holiness, it's nothing compared to His. If I really compared it to the one that mattered, my holiness, my righteousness is filthy rags compared to Him. But oh, I have an advocate with the Father. I have an advocate with the High Priest. And if I'm willing to let somebody in and say, Let me introduce you to a man called Jesus. Let me introduce you Like the little lady said At the well Come and see a man That hath told me everything that I know Come and see a man My oikos has got to grow My oikos has got to get bigger Somebody pass the salt Not only in here Not only when we have a guest But outside of these walls Not only in your home But outside of those walls Wherever you're at Try to pass the salt Wherever you're at Pass the salt 
It's important that you understand this. From the depths of my heart, I want us to understand that we will not be known as a church that does not welcome. It just will not happen. It's all right. You know what else we won't be known as? Church that places judgment on people. Oh, I know, I know. But what about First Peter 4 and 17? I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at it for a second. Here's how some people, nobody here, of course, nobody here. For all those people that are watching, no, they're watching online later, so nobody right now. So if you're watching later and you hear this, I'm talking about you. Just kidding. Nobody here, but it's like people that take the best part and they leave everything else. They take only what they want. It's like that one person at the family dinner, and you're having lasagna, and you have planned it out because you know how many squares there are. And that center square is number eight. No matter how you go, it's number eight. And so you, no, I'll, I'll pass. And someone, they, they offer you, oh, go on, get in front. Nope, no, I'm good. Go on. And so you count it out. And that second person, they decide, <laughs> I'm going to take this one. See, I could have went ahead and went first. But no, I was nice. But that person decided that their need was greater than mine. That's the kind of person that does this with this scripture. That type of person, usually in a very self-righteous tone, says judgment begins at the house of God. And they leave it right there. If it's okay with you, I'd like to have our Paul Harvey segment and give you the rest of the story. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins, oh my goodness, with us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Judgment begins at the house of God. And if it begins with us, that doesn't mean that you are the one doing the judging of others. Oh, that means that you're looking at yourself and you're beginning to say, God, who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that you would bless me? Who am I, God? And that's why I want to worship you. That's why I want to bless you. It's not telling you that you begin to judge everybody else. No, it's telling you to look at yourself and realize that nothing but the grace of God has brought you to where you are are nothing but the grace and the goodness of God his very mercy that was shown to us on Calvary nothing but that ready for it to get a little rough thank you Matthew I'm going to use King James so that we all know how serious I am when I quote this thou hypocrite first cast out the beam out of thine own eye oh my goodness then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. Y'all know it's serious because I read it in King James, just so everybody's on the same page. Take care of what's in your own eye before you start trying to take care of what's in your brother's. We will not be known as the church that judges. Because the moment that I begin to judge, the moment that I begin to look and think myself a, a, a little bit higher, the moment I begin to judge others is the moment I know it will happen because it's happened before. I've seen it in others. I've experienced it in my own life. The moment I thought I could handle it, that's the moment that I fell. That's the moment that I became weary. That's the moment that God had to reach down to where I was and I had to get another brother and they would come alongside me and they didn't judge me they just said keep on walking son keep on walking that's what we're going to do at Bethel we're going to say get into my sphere of influence the devil's attacking you right now get on in here let me get you covered with some of my prayers let me grab another brother we're going to get on each side of you and we're going to say I'm going to carry you all the way to the altar I'm going to put you on my shoulders I'm going to get you to a place of influence with almighty God we are not a place of judgment. We are already that. I just wanted to clarify to the devil that that's not who we are. 
the smiles on your faces when you see a guest walk through those doors. That's who we are. The excitement, the anticipation of what's about to happen whenever a person comes to the altar or they don't even make it to the altar and they're back there in the middle of the chairs and they've just got their hands up and tears are rolling down their face. That's what I'm talking about. That's who we are. That's your sphere of influence whenever you go to them and you don't even know their name and you just reach out and their burden becomes your burden. That's what I'm talking about. I want them in my oikos. I want them in my oikos. There are men of God and women of God. I will say that to this day they allowed me into their sphere of influence and they begin to speak life into me they begin to speak I owe so much there's no way that I can say I've got enough I've done enough I've done enough where no I owe so much just to those few that I speak to and still speak into my life I owe so much because they allowed me into an area that I thought I'd never be I owe so much Bethel we Oh, so much. So, Pastor Salt, I want us to pray the prayer of Jabez. The first week that I was officially pastor, a friend of mine sent me a message and said that this is the prayer of Bethel. He said, God spoke this to me. And said that it is for you to pray because this is what's going to happen. And he said, pray the prayer of Jabez, not just over the church. Have your people begin to pray it. And I've been praying and asking God, when do I, do I begin to talk about it? And I feel it right now. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. We've got to get to the place that we say, God, in enlarge my territory not so that I can have anybody saying look what I've done not so any of that but God so that I don't cause pain so that I can bring someone closer to you so that I can bring help to someone enlarge my territory so I can speak peace enlarge my territory so I can speak love enlarge my territory and he told me in the message, he said, hold on to the very last line. God granted him what he requested. God grants you what you're requesting whenever you say, God, enlarge my territory, not so that I can say anything special about me, but so that I can show them who you are, so that I can give them the testimony of where I was and where I'm at and where you've got me going. God, enlarge my territory so I've got more influence in my home, so I've got more influence in the school, so I've got more influence on my job, no matter where I'm at. God, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my sphere of influence. Enlarge my oikos. Oh, come on, somebody. Pass the salt. Pass the salt. I preached this message. Not this one, but I preached past the salt. I was much younger. I was at a youth service. 75 people, young people were there. and I only brought like 10 little packets of the salt. And I gave it out through the crowd. And every time that I would say, pass the salt, they would pass the salt. And do you know that by the end of that message, the salt had touched everyone in that house? But it started with the first one. The initial amount that I brought was not enough to give to everyone at the same time. But when I gave it to Roxanne, and then Roxanne gave it to Deborah, 
And then I gave it to Sean, who gave it to John. Whenever it began to kind of pass through the crowd, before long, uh, it, was, it wasn't long ago that, that Roxanne, it, it's actually my brother-in-law's wife, uh, it's my sister-in-law, she, she gave me this, this note. She had, she had saved the salt. She had saved the little packet because she ended up with it at the end. And she reminded me how that I had challenged her to pass the salt. Somebody understand me right now. You're never too young and you're never too old to pass the salt and if you're willing to grab a hold of it you can have an influence on somebody's life they may be broken they may not believe in themselves you may be the only one that says I love you you may be the only one that cares so would you pass the salt my last I'm going to tell this story and then close minister that I looked to that I prayed it's one of those that that's the type of ministry I want there were four of them and this man stood behind the pulpit a large church when he was telling us the story he said I stood and it was Father's Day and I made this statement Fathers, hug your sons. Sons, hug your fathers. So there was a little boy that came running up. He said, I didn't know what to do. So I just bent down and said, what do you need, buddy? He said, I don't have a daddy. Can I hug you? That's your influence. That's your sphere of influence. And I am well aware that there will be those that do not agree. There will be those that are not happy. And I want you to know that I am aware. But let me put it in the words of Jesus. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. John the Baptist, with his honey and locust-covered beard, the salt that cleared the way, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And people judged him. Jesus came filled with love and compassion, eating with publicans and sinners. He was called an alcoholic and judged for eating with people that no one else would be with. I encourage you tonight to ask yourself this question. Whose approval do I seek? Whose approval do I want? If there has ever been time to pass the salt to expand your oikos it's now the world is hurting and we have an answer and his name is Jesus his invitation is still the same come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and his commandment to us is exactly the same go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come that my house that my oikos may be filled so that my sphere of influence may be filled so go Enlarge your territory. Maybe it's the neighbor that you haven't spoken to in a while that all it's going to take is a wave and a smile. Maybe it's the co-worker that just annoys you. God can work miracles. Maybe it's the one whose voice just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I had one of those at a place I worked. I would do everything I could. I even asked, can I wear headphones? No, because if you wear headphones, no one else, you can't hear when someone needs you. What if I just wear one? <laughs> no. 
Oh, what if that's the person that God is saying, expand your sphere. Maybe they're the ones that's broken. Maybe what you're really hearing behind that voice is the brokenness of someone who never had anyone say, I believe in you. Maybe it's the voice of someone that's been molested. Maybe it's the voice of someone that suffered at the hands of a husband. Maybe it's someone that, that, that suffered at the hands of a father or an abusive mother. Maybe it's someone that no one has ever cared about. And God is saying, expand your territory. Let me say it clear. Bethel receives sinners and eats with them. Bethel loves the broken. Bethel is awaiting the hurting. Bethel warmly welcomes those that others might judge. We're not only going to do it here. It's not only going to be on Sundays and Wednesdays. This is where I close. Brother Stan, you have no idea how you were talking to me Monday night because this was already in my heart. Acts 2 and 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It wasn't just in here and it wasn't just in their home, but they went from home to home. They went from home to home and numbers were added to the church daily. Why? Because somebody said, I'm going to pass the salt. I'm going to expand my territory. I'm going to go into this house and if they don't welcome me, I'm going to dust the dust off of my feet and I'm going to go to another house and I'm going to find my person of peace. I'm going to keep passing the salt. I'm going to do it daily. Because God wants to move in the middle of their living room as much as He wants to move right here. That's right, brother. Stand on the deck of your house. House to house. Pass the salt. Grow your influence. Pass the salt. Let your life touch someone else's life. Let your light so shine among men. Pass the salt. Oh, I'm not worried about you letting down on anything. You've been in this too long to turn back now. I'm just asking you if you'll open up a little bit more and just welcome someone in. Oh, step out of your comfort zone. Step out of that place. I'm trying to get somebody to know there's growth and it's waiting to happen. If somebody will understand, it's not just a position, but it's an opportunity. I need somebody to understand it's a sphere of influence. It's a chance. It's an opportunity to change someone's life. Can we stand? Would you lift your hands right now? I walked these aisles today and His presence was so strong in here. And it's because your prayers are here. That same power I felt here was in my car. The same power you feel. That's the presence of God with an urgency saying the time is short. Pass the salt. Pass the salt. Enlarge my territory. You know where my territory is? Everywhere that I place my feet.
You know where your territory is? Everywhere you place your feet. Everywhere you place your feet. You're the salt of the earth. You're clearing the path. You're a city set on a hill. You cannot be hid. So would you stop trying to hide it? Would you raise the blinds and put that put that candle out so someone can see it? Brother Bowman gave us a record to listen to and there's a song on there. About I could see my father standing at the door. I would to God tonight that someone in this world that's broken would look and say, I see someone standing in the door. I see someone that cares. They weren't there a minute ago. But now there's light. And I see someone. I was in the middle of fog and hurt and pain. But now there's someone in the door. I can see them in the door. God, we love you. We thank you. Deal with us, God. Awaken us, God. Allow us to expand our sphere of influence. My only God. Let us know how powerful we are. Let us realize that with one word, we can change the destiny of a broken life. With one smile, with one moment of caring, when we invite them in, the person that never thought they would be invited in, they thought no one cared. Tonight, they're on the verge of suicide But Bethel is going to stand in the gap. We're going to expand our territory. We're going to be the hope. We're going to be the peace. I see my father standing at the door. See the bright light shine. It's just about home time. See, we see the bright light and we know, oh, it's about home time. That's when we start putting the light. My neighbor in Louisiana, he always knew it was time to come home because his mom would flick that porch light. If you'll allow me to be carnal for a second, I can see that porch light flicking. It's about time to come home. He always knew I've got about 15 more minutes. It would be about 15 more minutes before she would call him. He knew I had a little bit of extra time. Oh, if we can look, we can say, oh, I've got a little bit of time left. I need to start putting, I need to start expanding my territory. There's someone else that's broken. There's someone else that needs you. God's going to do it. Brother Bobby, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Would you lift your hands as we're we're closing? God, we love you. We come before you. Thank you for what we feel in this house.